Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, yo! What's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P. Joe Pizapia, and welcome to Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. We're taking you through the next two hours, re-keep, recapping everything that happened in Week 16 on Sunday, looking ahead to tomorrow's game. We're almost done with the Fantasy Championships. We've got a little bit of time left to go. And if you're wondering where Craig Mish is, well, I'm just like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. I I made my co-host disappear. We'll see if he comes back for Christmas. But in all honesty, this week, as we mentioned last week, he is going to be filling in for Scotty Farrell this afternoon. So make sure you check him out on all the shows here on Sports Grid. Filling in for Scotty when he gets some much-needed R&R. But that's okay because I got us covered because I got one of my co-hosts from Fantasy Game Day on Sundays right here on Sports Grid to fill in. You know him as a Canadian hero, a sports entertainment legend, and a good friend of the show here. He's the one, the only Eric Young. EY, welcome to the program, and thank you so much for hanging out with us for the next four days and talking a little football. How are you, my friend? I know you had a long drive back just to get here on time for the show today. Yeah, I wasn't going to miss this. They let me, uh, uh, release me from the wild of Sunday mornings right into an actual show uh, on an actual day where people are actually watching, so it's a uh, I mean, it's 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 a it's a gamble by you guys and everybody in charge there, but we'll see how it goes. My money's on you, baby. And look, now we've got not one <laughs> but two it, handsome bald gentlemen doing the show here, that's so it. ratings are clearly going to go up. Uh, and that's yeah. And then look, I take offense Sunday morning. I think everybody's watching us. I I think we're like the fun house here on the program on but, the network. This is what I want to be. By the amount of tweets and messages I got from people thanking us for for them cashing in on their DFS lineups or or, or winning their championship titles, I think you're lighting us out a lot of love for the Black Book over the last couple of days, which is super <laughs> cool. Uh, I was a subscriber before uh, I even knew you, so I, you know, Black Book is an amazing tool, something that I get every year. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, I mean people are, people are watching Sports Grid guys because it's uh, it's where you get real information. It's real people that care about real sports and and. The, this is the place to be. And I've been called a tool many times, but never in such a nice fashion. So I appreciate that. And look, <laughs> we've got a lot of headlines to break down. So let's start. The Chiefs clinched the number one seed in the AFC yesterday. Kind of a lackluster performance here. We keep waiting for the Chiefs to kind of flip the switch and turn things on. And, and I'm guessing that they will in the playoffs, but we shall see as time goes on. But that wasn't the only bit of news, too. The Jaguars also clinched something. They clinched the number one pick in the 2021 draft. Why? Because the Jets shocked the Browns and won for a second straight game. I, I can't believe this, and I feel like we have to take a pause here and try to figure this out before we get to the rest of the headlines because I watched this game start to finish, and I know we'll break this game down along with the other ones as time goes on here in the program, but Eric, you know, I'm watching this game, and I'm thinking to myself, well, you have no wide receivers. You're missing some guys on the offensive line. Just run the football, run the football, run the football some more. And I know the Jets did a good job at times of stopping the run, but I felt like they kind of abandoned it and Baker Mayfield tried to do too much. And at the end of the day, it all turned out 
as an L for the Browns at possibly the worst time going in to face Pittsburgh next week. I mean, we can all say, what are the Jets doing? But we know the players are out there trying to win football games. But why in God's name did they seem to abandon the run? Only 44 rushing yards as a whole in that game yesterday. That was just incredibly perplexing to me. Yeah, I mean, in no game should they abandon it. This The team was built yep. around Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, maybe the best uh, tandem in the NFL. Want to welcome in the radio audience. Uh, I mean, you're not, you're not seeing our beautiful faces, but you're hearing the dulcet tones of me and Joe breaking mm-hmm. down the fantasy week. And we're talking about Cleveland. And Cleveland, I mean, uh, no – there's no team in the NFL that should be losing to the Jets. I get the players are still playing, but this is an awful team, uh, awfully coached, not a good defense, and even worse offense. And it's embarrassing for the Browns. I mean, this is the Browns have been a team that's been very good all year, and this was an absolutely very, very poor effort. Yeah, and just just strange, just an odd thing here as you're listening and now watching Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Welcome in, everybody. And Yeah, look, the Browns are not out of it yet. They're still in the hunt. They're still in the mix, which is a good thing. But certainly the timing of everything with COVID was not good. Let's get to the rest of the headlines here because Seattle stakes their claim to the NFC West. That is a huge uh, thing here. And, and going into the season, this was, I know, my pick preseason to win the West. I was not feeling the 49ers. Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. Seattle was the pick. So if you listen to that, you've certainly made some cash here on that one preseason. Also, Pittsburgh, finally, the bleeding is stopped. The losing streak is over. They beat the Colts. They came back in this game. And this is what Pittsburgh needed to do in the worst way. Now, they still have a ton of deficits. They played well defensively. That's the core of who they are, but they still can't run the football. That's going to be a concern heading into the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. So although this is a great win for Pittsburgh, I'm not drinking the black and gold Kool-Aid yet, which I'm not even sure what flavor that is. It sounds gross, but whatever. We'll continue to move on. Dallas, if you can believe it, is back in the NFC East race. I can't believe this. This was another game watching this where I kept waiting for the Eagles to win the game and figure things out. And a couple calls did not go their way, but still – this was strange to me. It felt like the Eagles had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And Eric, four turnovers on four possessions for them in the fourth quarter. That's just not going to get things done. Yeah, I mean, this is the, the price you're going to pay with a rookie quarterback, I feel. Uh, eventually, that's going to catch up with you. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be the real deal at some point and, and has proven that he, he's a good player. But uh, this uh, is this not the strangest division in sports? I feel like it is. I mean, like, it it just seems like nobody wants to win. No, it it certainly does. And and the fact that Dallas is now in this weird position back and relevant and the Eagles are now out of it and the Giants can still win and, and of course, Washington's still in it too. It's just, it's so bizarre. But look, we've got a lot of strange, a lot of wacky, a lot of good, bad, and ugly to break down. So stick with us. Fantasy standouts when we come back right here on Sports Grid. Fantasy Sports Today. We'll be back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. Joe Pizzapia, the Eric Young, taking you through the repercussions and the aftermath of week 16 of championship week. And as we get to our fantasy standouts, I can guarantee you three of the first four guys at quarterback here that we're going to talk about 
Uh, I don't think we're starting in a whole lot of leagues. Maybe some super flex leagues, sure. But I'll tell you what, these are sort of the, I can't believe we're here. And I can't believe these are the names. So let's get after it. Let's start with Brandon Allen. Did you start Brandon Allen? No, of course you didn't. Nobody did. And if you did, good for you. Brandon Allen of the Cincinnati Bengals went into Houston, threw up 371 yards and two touchdowns. An incredible effort from him. But Roethlisberger is the story to really talk about here because of that comeback. They were down 20 points. Ben came back, 49 attempts, 34 completions, 342 yards there, and three touchdowns. And I want to give EY a pop here because on game day on Sunday, he said Big Ben's going to take things into his own hands, and he certainly did. And Big Ben carried this team. I mean, look, they can't run the football. We know that they can't. They won't run it because they can't. The offensive line still played terribly at times, especially in the first half of that game. But, EY, you called it yesterday on the show, and that's why people should be watching game day every Sunday. You said Big Ben would have a big day, and he absolutely did. So I hope that you started him somewhere. I hope you had him on FanDuel because Big Ben certainly did pay some dividends. Yeah, I mean, like, this is a team that is a solid team. They were sniffing an undefeated season, and then something fell apart. I mean, uh, they completely abandoned the run game, and even when they tried to run the ball, they couldn't. And this just felt like a game to me where, like, look, Ben Roethlisberger is a winner. You can think what you want and say what you want about the guy. But the reality is when he's on the football field, he's a difference maker. And he wants to win. And in this position, like, look, Big Ben calls the shots there. Don't think any different. He's going to call his own number. And if they're going to lose, they're going to lose by his doing. So uh, this is obvious, uh, a huge game for Big Ben. And if you listen to uh, game day on Sunday morning and started him, you're welcome. (laughs) Well, I want to take it a step further because this Steelers team is getting eerily reminiscent of last year's Patriots team that if everybody recalls, was looking dominant. People were talking about them maybe having a perfect season. They had an incredible defense, right? And then what happened? They weren't able to run the football, and their star veteran quarterback had to kind of carry them through a few games, and there were some games where things started to look a little bit better. But what happened? They got to the playoffs, and the rest is history. They got smoked in the playoffs. And I know Steelers fans do not want to hear that. They never like being compared to the Patriots in any way, except maybe in the number of rings. But I think this is a reality. You have to look at what happened last year to the Pats, was happening this year to the Steelers, it feels eerily similar. And I can tell you as a Patriots fan, it did not end well. So just be prepared just in case. Uh, Another quarterback that I think nobody saw coming in terms of performance was Andy Dalton. So I guess this is what happened. I guess the master plan has worked out after all, after struggling mightily in the early going, taking over for Dak Prescott after the injury. Andy Dalton has showed up and played well in the last few games, 22 of 30, 377, three touchdowns and a pick for Andy Dalton. Uh, A huge win here. They are back and relevant in the last week of the season. We'll see if they can pull the rabbit out of their hat with a W. And, of course, Deshaun Watson, who everybody knows is great. He's a one-man band. We talked about it yesterday on the program. We're going to talk about him today again. Uh, I mean, the guy just does everything you could possibly ask for, and he's not working with a whole lot. I mean, we're going to get to some of those names too, but I want to talk about Watson, and we'll talk more about J.J. Watt later in the program because he had a few choice words and some colorful ones at that about the play and the effort level and the commitment level of the rest of his Houston Texans team. But look, Deshaun Watson, franchise quarterback, three touchdowns, also had uh, 38 rushing yards on five carries. So EY, you know, going into next year, I know everyone's going to be talking about Mahomes and Herbert and Josh Allen and Lamar and all these other quarterbacks. And Deshaun may not have the same weapons as a lot of those guys, but in terms of fantasy points, this dude's been right there with them all season. And ever since the firing, 
he has just been all world to quarterback again, which is great because they're taking more shots. If they could just give him a little bit more help. Oh, if you could only redo that DeAndre Hopkins trade, Eric. Yeah, I mean, the guy's a winner. He's won at every level. Uh, I think a lot of people were worried about arm strength and and, and stuff like that. But but Deshaun has shown that none of that matters. It just matters your will to win. Uh, he's got the floor of his with his running ability, which is awesome for fantasy. Uh, the big thing, though, is what is Houston going to do in the offense? And they need to surround him with some players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get Phil Fuller had a very good season, but is he somebody that the Houston Texans can rely on? I don't think he's ever completed a full season. Um, and, and he is a, a, an up-and-down receiver. Uh, Cooks is not the answer there. They need to, to insulate Deshaun. Watson with some talent uh, and and a better running game. I think the, the running game was decent this year, but th- they've got a lot of holes. Deshaun Watson can't do it alone, uh, and them losing to Cincinnati is proof of that. And, and the big trouble is this offseason, they're lacking in draft picks. They have cap issues, mm-hmm. so they're going to have to get real creative. Uh, I mean, I, I pity the GM and, and coach have to come in and kind of turn this thing around because it's not a rebuild. You can't rebuild around Deshaun Watson. You have a quarterback in his prime, a franchise QB. Other teams and or other organizations would kill to have Deshaun Watson. So this is going to be a quick retool, but my goodness, it's going to be like kind of shopping at the dollar store, I feel like, trying to make Christmas dinner. It's going to be tough. Everyone's going to end up eating little Debbies and some sort of crackers. That's what it seems like. All right, let's get to some of the other guys, too, on this list. David Johnson, 12 carries for 128. uh, Touchdown. He also had uh, a receiving touchdown, three catches and 11 yards for him. Brandon Cook. So these guys all stepped up yesterday. But like Eric's saying, it's questionable every week who you're going to get. And are these guys really reliable at this stage? David Johnson's had a good season. I wouldn't say a great season. He is finishing strong. But the reliability factor between him, between Cooks, between Fuller is all very much in question. But Cooks yesterday was reliable for seven catches, 141 and a touchdown. Michael Gallup had himself a day. Boy, goodness. They were just continuously just picking on that corner in Philadelphia. We'll talk about more of that later on when we get to that game. But it was just, I felt so bad for that guy. I can't believe they didn't pull him earlier. Six receptions for 121 for Gallup and two touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb had a good game in that one as well. And Devontae Adams put on another Devontae Adams show, 11 receptions for 124 yards and three touchdowns for Adams. So, you know, kind of like last year, Eric, we are talking about Michael Thomas being that safe guy going into next year. And clearly he was anything but safe when 2021 ended up finishing. But going into next year, let's try this again. Is Devontae Adams just the safe first-round pick to take where you're not taking all the risk of the injuries at some of the running back position guys that we know? And God knows there's going to be risk with Dalvin Cook. There's always risk with Christian McCaffrey in the workload. There's risk with a lot of these guys. Is Devontae Adams, in your mind, that guy that you feel, you know what, maybe he doesn't have some of the upside as some other players, but in terms of taking that first wide receiver overall, is Adams just that guy that you feel really good building your team around next year? I mean, at this juncture, it, that's that looks like the situation that we're looking at. I mean, he he stays relatively healthy when he plays. He's a stud. It, it, it's crazy watching this guy play wide receiver. It was like almost an afterthought when he was drafted, you know, not considered a number one anywhere on the planet and has turned into be one of the best, if not the best receiver in the NFL. It doesn't even look like he's trying and he's just open all the time. There's some cosmic energy between him and Aaron Rodgers, a real deep connection between those two. They know what uh, each other's looking for and, and the stats and, and the games prove that this is a big deal. He's a big deal in the NFL. And I think he'll probably be the number one wide receiver drafted next year. 
And look, just to throw out a stat here for you, too, he now has uh, 100 yards receiving and 16 touchdowns. Only two other guys have done that in NFL history. So that's a pretty good company right there. So, you know, what happens is usually you get these guys who have, you know, 100 receptions or more. They're more the possession guys. They're not necessarily the guys that are uh, scoring touchdowns, too. And what's so unique about Adams, too, is the usage. You know, when they get down to that red zone, they throw him that little screen pass kind of thing, and then he just basically makes a move. And And I don't know how you defend that, to be honest, because usually it's just the corner. You could bring up the safety, but usually when you get down near the goal line, the safety's in a different position. It's tough. I mean, you almost have to have cornerbacks on your team that can guard Devontae Adams one-on-one, and I think that's asking a lot of most organizations, Eric. <laughs> Yeah, I think they've proven that this year is, is there's not really a quarterback in the league that can guard him. He, like I said, it does seem effortless. He he just knows how to be open, and that's the for me the number one ability in any receiver is figuring out how to be open. Yeah, well, it looks like the MVP race is definitely down to two. It's down to Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. And after last night, I got to think that Aaron Rodgers might have went ahead. But when we come back, we're going to break down that Chiefs game. What's going on with Mahomes right now? It's not quite as vintage as we thought. So stick around. More fantasy sports today on Sports Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Kansas City Chiefs have solidified their spot, their bye, their number one seed in the playoffs, and only one team's going to get that, and it is the reigning, defending, undisputed champion Kansas City Chiefs but the Chiefs have not quite looked as dominant as they have at other times this year the last month or so they've kind of been lackluster in some games have taken their foot off the gas a little bit and certainly defensively I would say not the same team that we saw last year at this time they had really started to turn things on last year on the defensive end of the football and this year maybe not so much but a win is a win is a win, and maybe, just maybe, the Chiefs are just kind of coasting through, trying to do whatever they need to just to get to their spot, and then we'll see the Chiefs of last year. I hope so, because if they keep playing like this, they might be more vulnerable than people might think. But it was a 17-14 win regardless, so let's look at the breakdown here, and we'll start with the Atlanta Falcons side of this game. You know, the Falcons had a chance there to turn things around and actually tie this game up, but coup of all people, the guy who's been so good Missed the field goal there late, and the rest was history. But Matt Ryan, 300 yards for him, 27 to 35, two touchdowns. Ito Smith had 10 carries, 40-plus uh, yards. And look, you know, this run game certainly year over year is going to need some kind of adjustment, whether it be through the draft or signing a free agent, maybe a guy like an Aaron Jones who might be available. That's the kind of route they might go. Heck, even a guy like Mike Davis could be useful too. Uh, Calvin Ridley had another 100-yard game, great game for Ridley, uh, and that's what you're looking for. You know, Calvin Ridley has just been a wide receiver one all year. Uh, Hayden Hurst also came down with a touchdown too. So Hurst has had a couple good games here, and unfortunately for us, Russell Gage wasn't the guy that I hoped he would be, but Calvin Ridley continues to show that uh, he is definitely a wide receiver one, one of my favorite guys coming into this season, him and DK Metcalf. If you had both those guys, or at least one of them, it's been a pretty good fantasy year for your team, I would imagine. On the Chiefs side of things, Patrick Mahomes, a uh, pretty good day at the office for him. A couple couple mistakes here and there. Did have the one pick, but threw two touchdowns, 278 yards. Daryl Williams, not Le'Veon Bell, led this team in, in yards, 10 carries for 48. Uh, Travis Kelsey, 
Well, just the Travis Kelsey we talked about at length, seven receptions for 98 yards and a touchdown. Tyree Kill, four catches for 65. Demarcus Robinson, two for 29 and a touchdown. But, you know, the Tyree Kill moment actually was not an offensive one. It was a defensive one where all of a sudden after the pick, Tyree Kill had his little DK Metcalf moment, Eric. I don't know if we saw this or not, but he uh, was chasing down the linebacker, knocked the ball out. Unfortunately, they weren't able to recover it, but he had been saying, hey, I don't get a chance to play DK Metcalf on DK defense because my guy never throws picks. Ha, ha, ha. Well, Mahomes gave him a shot yesterday, and uh, Tyreek Hill did have himself a highlight real moment there. But uh, once again, we come back to Travis Kelsey. We talked about him at length yesterday on the show, and here we are again. Uh, another guy who plays like a wide receiver statistically at tight end, and tight end we all know is a position that is such a wasteland. So uh, I keep saying the, the more this season ends, you know, Coming into the year, his relative position value was so high compared to all the other tight ends, but I thought there were some shots to take. You know what? Going into next year, I think I'm just going to be having a whole lot more Travis Kelsey on my teams, and I'm willing to pay that premium because this guy is starting to approach that Gronk, that Tony Gonzalez level tight end, and we're seeing it happen right in front of our faces. Six years in a row with 1,000 yards, Eric, that is worth, I would say, paying a premium for. Yeah, I mean, I did it in a bunch of places here, and I'm with you, Joe. I, was, I would wait to the end of the draft and, you know, pick mm -hmm. one or two guys that I thought would hit and hope that one of them did. And often I would end up okay. This year, I paid the premium, uh, got Kelsey, was very nervous about it. And, I mean, look at your lineup is going to look different because you have to draft him so high. So you're going to be, at the start of the year, you're going to look emptier. But really do this exercise, and I did it this year. Look at your roster at the end of the year opposed to the start of the year. I imagine if you were any good at football and were in the playoffs, you probably have less than four or five guys that you drafted on your team. That's just the reality of it. So yeah, Kelsey, I mean, mm -hmm. look at next year, he's even going to be even more expensive. He's a first round pick for sure. He might be even, he might go in the top five. Oof. You know what? Top five is a tough sell. First round, late first round, I'm willing to do it. And I think my hesitancy this year, which is why I kind of pivoted to the late tight ends, taking shots on Logan Thomas and John U. Smith. And unfortunately Hayden Hurst and Blake Jarwin in some spots too. For me, it was the uncertainty of this rookie wide receiver class because they didn't have OTAs. They didn't have preseason. And I didn't anticipate them being as good as they have been. And they've been better than good. They've been great. They've been the gift that has kept on giving here. Guys like Jefferson, guys like CeeDee Lamb, Claypool had his moments. I mean, again, we can go the list goes on and on and on with these guys. And I think that's the difference. So if anybody did take Kelsey and was able to draft some of these young wide receivers that really popped or took a shot on a Robbie Anderson, it's been a pretty good season for you. And I think going into next year, the, the wide receiver class is going to be good as well. And you've got all these guys that I think still have upside. I mean, we haven't even tapped in to Jerry Judy yet. We haven't even tapped in to some of these other guys that have that kind of upside. Darnell Mooney is a fascinating guy. Uh, we've seen Jefferson this year. There's a ton of wide receiver rookies that, again, we're just scratching the surface of their talent. I think CeeDee Lamb could end up being a wide receiver one next year when Dak Prescott is healthy. But I digress. You know, the Falcons side of things, too, before we get to the Giants and Ravens, you know, this Falcons team, I know it's been a disappointing season for them. I know they've been more competitive at times since they fired the head coach. But, you know, for me, I think it's time you move on from Julio Jones. And, and as much as that's going to be difficult from the fan base, I think it's what they need to do. The question I have for you is, do you think they're going to move on from Matt Ryan? Because I know there will be some teams looking for a veteran quarterback like Ryan. Do you scrap the whole thing if you're the Falcons and start over? Or do you keep Ryan, Ridley, Gage, 
get some more defensive secondary help and try to figure things out and go approach next year too. Because in this division, you do have some age of quarterback. I mean, Breeze might not be there. Tom Brady is, you know, still playing well, but still an advanced age. So, I mean, the Falcons can make a case for trying to retool and be good right away next year. Do you think they can pull that off? And do you think Matt Ryan's at the center of it? Yeah, I feel like quarterbacks like Matt Ryan don't grow on trees. And I don't think that Matt Ryan is the problem here. It's, it's, it's very poor defense and an absolute inability to run the football. Uh, Matt Ryan is is almost automatic for 300 yards every week. Uh, I think he's thrown thrown for 15 is it 15,000 yards this year already or plus. So I mean, I don't think he's the problem. So uh replacing him I don't think is an easy task and I feel it would be a mistake by by Atlanta. Julio is a player, I mean, like he's not the player he was. He's hurt all the time. And they have their apparent there. Obviously, in, in Calvin Ready, he looks like he's ready to be a number one. Yeah. I mean, Julio, all world guy, all worldwide receiver, yep. all world talent. We know that Hall of Fame kind of guy. Been so consistent. But this is, you know, what the Patriots always do. They always get rid of guys before their expiration date. And I think that's, you know, kind of what you need to start thinking about here. And I think that's that's the mode here is are you paying Julio for the guy he was or the guy he's going to be? And he has played through a ton of injuries. And you're right. Matt Ryan's got 4,300 yards already on the year, and he's always going to be around 45. I wouldn't move on from Matt Ryan, but my goodness, you better find some secondary help because that secondary has just been so bad for so long. And they need a physical presence there too. You know, they need a physical presence at linebacker. Somebody like that needs to fall into their lap or they're going to have to figure that out. And who knows, maybe through a Julio trade, you can get some draft picks and get some draft capital and get some guys. And, you know, certainly it will be a different voice there. I think I don't know if Morris is going to get that job. All right. The New York Giants, unfortunately, have run out of gas, but they've been really fun. They just ran up against a Baltimore Raven team that is really playing their best football right now. And I, I'll tell you what, I pity the fool. That plays the Baltimore Ravens if the Baltimore Ravens should make the playoffs. Uh, this was, look, an overmatched Giants team, I think is the best way to put that. Daniel Jones, 252 and a touchdown. Wayne Gallman, eight carries for 27. They really stifled him. That Ravens D was just spectacular. Sterling Shepard had nine catches for 77 and a touchdown. So good to see Sterling Shepard have a day because we were just trolling those guys yesterday on Sunday morning. Eric and I kept saying, where are the wide receivers from the Giants? Where have they gone? So great to see one of them show up here in Shepard. We'll see what happens next year. And Evan Ingram, seven catches for 65 over to the Baltimore side of this game. Uh, it was once again, the Lamar Jackson show Marquise Brown, another touchdown for him and, and keep going straight in a row. He's got four games in a row. So is JK Dobbins with a touchdown 11 for 77. He did come up with an injury in this game. Gus Edwards had a big run there, 15 carries for 85, plus two catches for 37. But it was all about Lamar and his 183, two touchdowns from Lamar. He also rushed for 80 yards. So he actually was the guy who almost led this team in rushing again, but Edwards beat him by five yards. Uh, but look, the Ravens right now, to me, Eric, this is a very dangerous team. They've kind of been lackluster all season. The offense has had all kinds of problems. Andrews was good. Six catches for 76 for him. You know he's always good. Marquise Brown is, look, Marquise Brown has shown up in these last few weeks here. Uh, I have a lot of issues with Marquise. He and I are working them out. But still, you have to call it what it is. And he's producing, and that's what you need. But look, it's all about Lamar right now. And he is a, a problem, and very few defenses have an answer for him. And I feel like this is kind of the opposite of where this Ravens team was last year. Last year, the Ravens were at the top of the mountain. 
And I think they got a little lackadaisical, and I think they didn't take things too seriously. They came out flat from the bye. They didn't play Week 17. Now they're hungry. Now they're fighting. And I feel like this version's of, version of the Ravens team, especially the way they're playing on defense, Eric, to me, they feel like one of the more dangerous teams in a very dangerous already AFC. I mean, the fact that they have a very good defense, that you know that they're committed to running the ball, this weird three-headed, uh, four-headed running running back. I mean, if you want to put Lamar Jackson, then he's basically a running back. He's the best running back on the team. And they're doing this like weird pro version of a triple option. And when they do this, they're unstoppable. I think the real linchpin in this whole thing is Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews makes this offense go. When he was out, they were not the same. He comes back, they go back. Back to how they were having that check down and that that safety valve for Lamar Jackson is imperative. That's where he likes to throw the ball. Uh, you know those middle kind of crossing routes, easy routes. So the, look at the Ravens are dangerous. They are dangerous. I don't want to play them. Yeah, and look, they're getting contributions too. I mean, from Des Bryant, he's caught a touchdown back to back games. J.K. Dobbins finally looks like the guy that they drafted into what hopeful would be the starting running back. And that defense with six sacks. I mean. Watch out, everybody. Don't let the Ravens in the dance. Because I'm telling you right now, they're going to spike the punch bowl. It's not going to be pretty. All right. Speaking of the AFC North, we come back. We're going to talk about that Steeler comeback. So stick around for Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. Right after this, don't go anywhere. Stay on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today. Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, 27 of 32. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Colts were riding high going into Pittsburgh, but left a little wounded as the Pittsburgh Steelers came back in this contest and finally snapped their three-game losing streak. Welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today, right here on Sports Grid. Joe Pizapia, the Eric Young, taking you through everything that happened in Championship Week, and we still got one more game to play Monday night, but a lot of contests have already been decided, and certainly some of them decided from this very game. So let's take a look at the slides and see who did what and what the stat breakdown was, we'll start with the Indianapolis Colts and Phillip Rivers, who was 22-35 of 35 in this one. Uh, he threw for a 270 and a touchdown. He did have a fumble and an interception, so the turnovers did hurt them. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor continues to be awesome. Uh, he had a 74-yard day with two touchdowns. Pascal, another touchdown. That's three in the last two days. T.Y. Hilton was, again, a little bit of a letdown, unfortunately. There, just three catches for 60. But the good news is that Phillip Rivers really has played well in this second half. He was a disaster in the first half. He looked completely done this season. And then, all of a sudden, he gets hurt with a foot issue and starts to play better. But I, I think the real reason is you're finally getting Jonathan Taylor being the lead back in this offense, which was long overdue. So whatever the reasons were, I'm sure Frank Reich had good ones for waiting as long as he did to really turn over the job full-time to Jonathan Taylor. But ever since he has, there's no doubt about it, this offense has gotten much, much better, and certainly a healthy T.Y. Hilton. Pascal's been good. Even so, Michael Pittman gets some catches in this game. So this was a very well-rounded offensive effort here, but unfortunately, the second half was not good for them. It was very good for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, who had himself a day, or at least a half, at the very least. And uh, once again, Deontay Johnson was the go-to guy, but he did spread the ball around. 
So in terms of uh, Philip Rivers stats here on the day, they were strong. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster got involved with the game as well, and he was a guy in the second half that caught a big touchdown in this one. Still the running game, a lot to be desired. James Conner just had five carries for 20 yards. He didn't have a touchdown, but five carries for 20 yards. That is not going to strike fear in the hearts of anybody. Big Ben took it all on his shoulders, 342, three scores for him, as we mentioned earlier. Eric Ebron had a touchdown, actually caught five balls, five whole balls from Eric Ebron. It's a Christmas miracle. Deontay Johnson, eight catches for 75 and a touchdown for him, nine catches, 98 for Juju Smith-Schuster and a touchdown also. So, look, Juju and Deontay have been good. You know, we keep talking about in lieu of the running game, Eric, that Deontay Johnson's that guy. He's that possession wide receiver he's that guy you're going to keep targeting and pounding with targets over and over and over again and that's how they're moving the chains and you can win this way i'm just suspect whether or not they can win in the playoffs this way but certainly this was a, a great effort here pittsburgh i think can take a little bit of a a deep breath now the browns are the ones kind of in trouble taking a, a loss against the jets we'll see if all those guys are cleared too by next week to play because that's a big question i don't think anybody's talking about you know is everyone going to be cleared in time is, is baker mayville going to have his full complement of weapons all of a sudden the browns are on the ropes and the steelers look like they just got up in a big way so what were your thoughts here on this pittsburgh Steelers comeback and the effort that you saw out of the steelers in the second half it makes you wonder if Ben would play this way in the first, what would have happened? You know, it's, mm -hmm. um, I feel like this narrative, it, it, it happened because of the way they played and the fact that they can't run the ball and going into the half, they're down and Roethlisberger, like I said on Sunday, calls his own number and just says, I'm just going to throw the ball over and over and over. And that's how we're going to move the change. Kind of the short targets, uh, short area passing and stuff, screen, stuff like that. That becomes the running game. And like Joe said, this is definitely a way to win. And for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I feel like they've proven that they do not have the ability to run the ball uh, as the game goes and it goes late uh, into the third and fourth corner. They need to throw the ball rather than run the ball. And Roethlisberger is capable of they have three really good receivers, uh, a decent, you know, big target in Eric Ebron. He does have a bit of uh, the dropsies now and then, but but didn't in this game. Um, this is the recipe for winning football for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And look, at this is not your father's Pittsburgh Steelers. They are not a tough <laughs> and rumble run the ball team. Jerome Bettis doesn't play there anymore. Connor is not the guy that a lot of people thought he was going to be. And when the ball is in Roethlisberger's hands, he makes stuff happen. If I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I want more of what I saw in the second half. Yeah, they're going to have to get some more offensive line help, maybe some more running back help as well. I don't know if McFarlane's really the long-term answer either from what I've seen out of him so far this year, which is very little, but I know they were high on him when they drafted him. We'll see what happens with that. But look, this is the first time in, what, five games that they've put up more than 20 points. Yeah, that's a problem. You know, <laughs> you got you to be able to run the football. You got to be able to score points. You got to be able to do those things. And, you know, finally, they kind of broke the curse here. But look, the defense did play well yesterday. Uh, TJ Watt got his 15th sack. Avery Williamson had a very good game in this one. And they came back from a 17-point deficit. And and I think, that you know, the way everybody woke up, and, and it, they felt like they were sleepwalking that first half. You know, you went to halftime thinking, my goodness, the Steelers are just done. Like, they are done for the year, done. Forget it. And they finally came back and you know, grew a pair and showed up and showed you and remind you why they were an 11 winning team in the first place. And I, and I know teams go through good and bad patches, but 
you want to be playing your best football like Baltimore is going into the playoffs. You don't want to be kind of limping in as the Steelers had been. So good job by Big Ben. Good job by the wide receivers and great job by the defense making some things happen there. And, and look, from the Colts standpoint, too, going into next year, do you feel comfortable with Jonathan Taylor as an RB1? Because it feels like he is going to be drafted as such right after in that David Montgomery kind of range. Maybe it. I don't know, 8, 9, 10, 11, right off the top of my head. We'll get more into that tomorrow. But what you've seen out of Taylor these last four or five weeks, is that enough for you to feel confident in 2021 that he's going to be an RB1? Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on what they do with the other backs and the other personnel. And then what we hear in the offseason is, are they going to be committed to him long term? You know, is this the guy? I mean, he's proving that when he gets the work and, and is trusted, he's able to deliver. I think it's something that we all thought was going to happen. It took longer than any of us wanted to or thought it was going to. But it does seem to be his backfield now. And look, the, the Colts, I mean, look, they, they lost to Pittsburgh, but they are a better team when Jonathan Taylor is carrying the ball that much and that effectively speaking of comebacks how about the comeback of the chicago bears this season i know i left them for dead but mitch trubisky and company and matt nagy might be saving their collective jobs they they can't be worse than eight and eight and you know we yesterday on the program we talked about don't worry this is the good chalk and it certainly was the good chalk in dfs if you had it on FanDuel yesterday and even in your season-long championships <laughs> imagine people getting david montgomery led championships but that's exactly what's going on here he's been on a phenomenal run this bears offense is playing fast and loose they look athletic they look like they're having fun everybody's getting involved oh what a deep sigh of relief for everybody because the, the bears at one point they looked like completely lost and and trubisky's come in and played really well so let's get after the numbers here because this was a throttling 41 17 and we also told you yesterday they would not take their foot off the gas this was a team that was going to keep putting up points because they needed to make a statement and they did trubisky statement 24 35 285 for two touchdowns and a pick uh, David Montgomery, another good game. Not quite 100 yards, but more than 100 all-purpose. He did have a touchdown. Allen Robinson, another 100-yard game, is fourth of the season. Jimmy Graham, four catches for 89, two touchdowns. Jimmy Graham was a monster yesterday. Uh, and look, from the Bears' perspective, this is exactly what you wanted to do. You wanted to go into Jacksonville, who was beaten up, bruised, battered, put a hurting on him, and then try to close the year with some confidence and be competitive next week against the Green Bay Packers, which is a tall task. You know, and, and you know what? With the way they're playing, us against the world, nobody believes in us. That makes them very dangerous. I don't think they've got enough to beat Green Bay next week, but it's certainly going to be fun to watch. Uh, what's going to be fun to watch for the Jaguars is probably next year when they get Trevor Lawrence. And if he's not the number one pick, then I don't know what anybody's evaluating because to me, it's a no brainer. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, to me, looks like the best quarterback prospect since Peyton Manning, and, and I just think he is a lock. The guy's just been so good for so long in college. But Mike Glennon was the quarterback, at least for yesterday. He did throw for two touchdowns, but also two picks. Uh, Dare Agumbawale showed up, 14 for 71 when James Robinson was out. No, Eric, I won't ask you to say his name. Don't worry. It's all good. You're my friend. I won't put that evil on you. DJ Shark, four catches for 62 and a touchdown. LaVisca Chenault, five receptions for 48 and a touchdown. So DJ Shark showing some signs of life here towards the end. Chenault is a very exciting young player, another great rookie wide receiver in a an embarrassment of riches in terms of wide receiver class. But just thinking ahead a little bit, because if you're the Jaguars, that's all you've got to do is look ahead. You really can't look too much at the present. They haven't won a game since week one. Just want to put that out there too. So it's been a long season for these boys. But going into next year, we've seen the success of Herbert, 
of Joe Burrow. We've seen the rookie quarterbacks really kind of emerge in the last few years as very viable right away. What does that do to the rest of these weapons here? Because Robinson's coming off a great season. Shark two years ago looked like the man. He had a lot of injuries this year. Chenault certainly looks like a fun player to have. And if you add Trevor Lawrence to this mix, are the Jaguars a team that might be kind of sneaky good from a fantasy perspective next year? Yeah, I think that could definitely happen. I don't think, I mean, depending on what they do in the draft and in the offseason, they could improve their defense some. But look, they're they're really actually loaded at the skill positions. Um, Robinson is, uh, I mean, an aspiration. Nobody thought that he was going to be this, me included. Um, he's a guy that was probably mostly undrafted in most leagues or picked up at the very end of the draft if you drafted uh, closer to the season because there were some rumblings about who James Robinson was. and He was going to be the first and second down. James Robinson doesn't come off the field uh, when he plays. Um, obviously, didn't play this week. Uh, Glennon, the quarterback. But with the, the young stud quarterback there, all these guys could only get better. I mean, for me... It, you could go, you know, Shark uh, early. You could go Chenault early, uh, Robinson earlier than everybody else and really reap the benefits. There could be a huge jump offensively next year with good quarterback play. I agree because I don't think the defense is going to be all that good either. And I think that's a perfect recipe for a really good fantasy investment. And I'm with you. I might go a little bit earlier for all of those guys next year just to kind of be ahead of the curve a little bit. All right, let's get to this last game here. Can you believe the Bengals? are going to win two games in a row because they did. They went on the road to Houston, so they beat the Steelers. They beat the Texans. J.J. Watts losing his mind, and rightfully so. Brandon Allen threw for 371. It was 400 yards for Brandon Allen. What? Two touchdowns for him as well. Samaje Ryan got 13 carries for 95 and two touchdowns, but Gio was still active. 16 for 65, seven catches for 66, and T. Higgins, another one of these great rookie-wide receivers. Do you notice a theme here, boys and girls? Because there is one. Six catches for 99 and a touchdown over on the Houston side. We kind of talked about those standouts before, but we'll run through them once again for you just in case you missed it. Deshaun Watson continues to be all-world. Three touchdowns for him, 324. He also had 38 rushing yards on the day. David Johnson, 12 carries for 128 and a touchdown. Three catches for 11 and a touchdown. Uh, Brandon Cook, seven catches for 141 and a touchdown. Look, they did everything they could on offense. They put up enough points against the Bengals. You should win that game. But it all comes down to the defensive effort, and J.J. Watt was not happy with it, and and clearly there's a problem here. There's a problem with the effort and the preparation, and J.J. Watt basically called everybody to the table. And I got to tell you, man, I, I don't blame him, and we'll, again, an hour or two get more into that conversation. But from the Cincinnati Bengals standpoint, I think Zach Taylor's really saved his job with these Ws here. These last two weeks beating Pittsburgh is huge. Going out and winning a road game against Deshaun Watson is huge. So I don't think Zach Taylor is going anywhere. Maybe, if anything, they bring in a big defensive mind to be coordinator. What do you think about that? Yeah, I love Taylor. Uh, I I feel like this was an unjust season with tons of, of injuries, plus the injury to their star young quarterback, Burrow. He's, I think, proven that he's the real deal and is only going to get better um, with Mixon, a healthy Mixon, a healthy Burrow, and a little bit of improvement on defense. The Cincinnati Bengals could be re- making some real noise. Like, look, this is how you win your, your championships, guys. You reach for players that people aren't drafting and go a little bit early on and get them on your team. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to be highly drafted next year. And just like Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins was a really good wide receiver in college. He was not drafted with that whole other group, but he has been fantastic this year. Even without Burrow, he showed up in a great moment. So we come back, we're going to talk about the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 which win, win, win. We come back. 
Don't go anywhere. Fantasy Sports Today, right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, a little bit of breaking news from Ian Rappaport. It looks like Dwayne Haskins is now out of a job. First, he got stripped of his captainship, and now stripped of his position altogether. And speaking of stripping, don't worry. It's a free buffet at the strip club. Dwayne will be okay. He'll be able to eat. It'll be okay. We'll see what happens there. But uh, we'll get more about that as we turn the page to hour two about that whole situation there with the Washington football team. I think clearly it signals that Alex Smith is probably going to play next week. If not, it'll be Heineke or Heineken or something to that effect. We'll figure that all out for you. But first, let's talk about something else pretty shocking, which is the New York Jets winning two games in a row. Jets and Browns, look, the Browns were up against it, but, you know, credit to the Jets' defense too. Uh, Sam Darnold, 175 for two touchdowns. Didn't play great, but played good enough. Made a couple plays when it mattered. Crowder was the guy yesterday, 43 passing yard touchdown. He also caught seven balls for 92 and a touchdown. Uh, Braxton Berrios caught a touchdown, uh, three catches for him. And Chris Herndon, of all people, showed up and had a game, four catches for 34 and a touchdown. On the Brown side, it was not pretty. It was puzzling. I, I know Baker Mayfield said, I can do this and put it all on my shoulders, but instead he should have taken it off of his shoulders and turned around and handed it to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. For four quarters and i think that would have worked out better for them and they had chances at the end to win this game baker ended up statistically throwing for zero touchdowns 285 yards chubb had just 11 carries for 28 five catches for 38 he did have some score kareem hunt had just four carries four what what's happening here kevin stefanski you're killing me smalls a touchdown for Kareem Hunt on three catches and 41 receiving yards. Austin Hooper had seven for 71. But, Eric, watching this game was just so frustrating. I mean, the Jets' defense, look, Basham played great. They came up in big spots. Baker Mayfield wasn't able to protect the football. He got, you know, to be bad Baker Mayfield. He pressed too much. And at the end of the day, it turned around into a big L at the worst possible time. Yeah, a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde season for Baker Mayfield. And I think this is kind of who he is. I mean, like, yeah, there's times where you're like, oh, he's, he's got it figured out again. And then other times where he throws for zero, uh, zero touchdowns in a game against the New York Jets. Uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy that they lost. It's hard to believe. Yeah, it's just uh, a stunning development there. Uh, once again, Baker just, I think, gets in his own head. You know, stick with what's working. The run game, that's what's working. Hour one working, hour two work even better. Stick around on the grid. We'll be right back right after this. Don't go anywhere. More fantasy sports today. Build digital first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360. 